Thank you, Donna and Don. It's amazing grace of Christ that has saved us and his wounds have paid our ransom. Would you turn to Psalm 4, please? Psalm 4. Psalm 4, I'm going to start from the end. How's that? I'm going to start in verse 6, and we're going to work backwards with Psalm 4, and we're going to see what God has for us today. This morning, I asked the question that we often ask ourselves, uh, why are we here? What is the purpose of our lives? What is it that we are about? There's another question that we often ask ourselves, and it could be, um, where do I find good? Another question is, where do I find peace? Where do I find my joy? And where do I find security in this world? The psalmist answers this by the word of God. So let's go to verse 6. We'll go 6 through 8, and then we'll work from 1 on. So if you'll indulge my uh, backwardness of this, I think it'll make sense toward the end. If not, it'll still make sense, I promise. Verse 6, many are saying, who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us. O Lord, you have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and new wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. You, O Lord, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. It's interesting as we ask ourselves the question, we ask the question in verse 6, it says, who will show us good? Who is it that will show us good in our lives? Now we think, okay, um, that may not be quite such a, a question of ourselves, but we desire good, don't we? Is it, is it a problem to desire good things or that good things happen to us or that good is part of our lives? No, it is not a des- bad to desire that. The question comes, where do we go to pursue that good? Psalmist says, many are saying, who will show us any good? Now, the psalmist is giving us an understanding of a time when there is a lack of good. Who will show us good? Who is it in the world that will even give good to us? Why is it that we seek good? Why is it not readily available? Well, we go back to the garden, and we go back to the garden, we see sin because of our sin, Adam and Eve's sin, and ours who compounded every day, good is not part of our lexicon. We are not good in and of ourselves. And so we and others ask, and he says, many were going to ask this question, who will show us good? And then he goes from there, with this verse, he goes and takes us to um, a reference to his countenance. Look there, lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. Now, for us, not a Jewish context, we, it doesn't automatically register, register for us. But if you were in a Jewish context, you would know this idea of lifting up the light of God's countenance upon a person or upon a people. Go to Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. 
This is the time of uh, Moses is speaking uh, the words of the Lord to the people. And as the Lord talks to Moses, he gives us in verse 22, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and to his son. Thus you, Aaron and his sons, now who was Aaron? Besides Moses' brother. He was the, the first in the line of high priests. See, there were all priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. It was the line of Aaron, the Kohanim, the line of Aaron that came, and every one of those, those line, those men became priests. He said, thus you shall bless the sons of Israel, you shall say to them. And so we call this the ironic, ironic blessing. What does he just say? The Lord Yahweh bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's the prayer. That's the blessing. In verse 27 it says, So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and I then will bless them. There are times of the year that you can go to the Western Wall in Jerusalem, and you'll hear a modern-day kohanim, the, the modern-day priest, the high priest, pronounce this blessing upon the people of Israel. And he will say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless you. The Lord, go the right direction here. That's the one I want. The Lord make his face to shine on you. Now, we think of God as the God of light. But to shine, the understanding is to give blessing. Okay, if my if my face is away from you, it may actually it may be better. It's my best side back here. But if my face is away from you, but I turn, that I have you have my attention. I focus. I make eye contact. And what they're calling upon is the Lord will make His face shine upon. And He goes one more to the countenance. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom, peace. We'll give you peace. So when the psalmist writes here in verse 6, lift up the light of your countenance upon us, he is praying the prayer, not as a high priest, but as David is praying here. He, he is praying for the people, and he's calling the same blessing from God on the people. May God Show his countenance. Many look for where is good, and David says the only place that you may find good is in God. Call upon him. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. So, where is good? Good is found in God. The next question, the last part of, of, of um, Psalm 4, is where do we find gladness? Where do we find joy? Verse 7, you have put gladness in my heart. Who is the you? Well, if you continue the verses, it's Yahweh. It's the, it's the God of hosts. It's the one who has given his personal name to the people of Israel. So David addresses God, you have put gladness in my heart. See, underlying the searching of good is a desire to have joy and to have gladness in the heart. And he says, you have. And 
It may not mean much in our time, but maybe you think it's an extra bonus. He says, more than when their grain and new wine abound. So more than a plentiful harvest of plenty of wheat. I mean, you're going to eat all year and you have uh, the the grapes for for the wine. You're going to have all of this. He said, you bring more gladness than bounty, than a fat paycheck, a wallet, a purse, a huge retirement account. God, you bring more gladness than that. Why? Because he's the only good God who gives good, good and that his light, the light of his countenance shines upon us. And so gladness comes, joy comes from God. Let's continue. Where do I find peace? So it's eight. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. Now, Think of this. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. And this is, the, this is the one, the David, who had many times that were not quite so peaceful. The times he was running from Saul. The king, Saul, bent upon his death. David's statement is, I will lie down. This is a statement of, of resolution, of volition. I will lie down and sleep. Most of the time... What keeps us up at night is a lack of peace. Something is worrying us. Something is bothering us. It could be just a project at work, or it could be a family situation or a physical situation or the condition of our world. But David said that he had learned, even when being pursued by Saul, I will lie down. I will have peace I will sleep. Just the very fact of lying down. When you're on the run, remember the times David was in the cave? We have the privilege, I didn't bring slides, but the privilege of going um, and touring in Getty. As you walk up from the Dead Sea, from where the bus drops you off, of course, as you walk up, it's dry and arid, and as you make the path, you start hearing sounds of something. It's not the Dead Sea, because it doesn't make much sound. And you, you come around a bend, and you see a wonderful waterfall. And you keep on going, you see another waterfall. And here, in the cleft of a rock, it would seem, with if you were to go up and take the, the drone's view up, you would see desert all around, dryness all around, you saw... A waterfall. You saw the richness. While David was fleeing from caves, from Saul into caves, he came to this place of Engedi. He says, I, will, I can lay, lie down just like I do there in Engedi, a secret place I can sleep. He looked for security for you alone, end of verse 8. For where do I find security for you alone? O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Safety is of God. No matter, I was, I was talking to a young man um, who was interning this summer, uh, another, another city, and he's living in an area that's not very safe. And he said something about um, having a firearm with him because he felt safer. And I said, you're with God. You'll be okay. And after all, it doesn't make for good press for an intern to have shot someone, so <laughs> be careful. <laughs> so, 
But it's interesting how we go to human methods of protection and safety and security as if we could secure our lives in any way. When God holds the safety and security of our lives. David said, I I will have peace. I will lie down. I will sleep. You alone, O O Lord, makes me to dwell. And safety. So this is the end of his his psalm. Hey, this is his resolution. This is what he's crying out to God as Lord, I am I am praying this to you as a resolution of my trust in you. So go back to verse one. He says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Notice this plea, answer me when I call. God, I'm calling out to you. You can understand that that David is calling out. He's pleading to God. He says, you have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Interesting that he takes a past time and reminds himself. It seems that's what he's doing. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. How often, though, do we call out to God and expect Him to answer? But we've seen in the past all that He has done for us. And somehow we don't think it's going to be this time that He will care for us. He says, answer me when I call. O God of my righteousness. That's an very interesting term. It's the the God of whom I receive rightness or truth. This one. David says, I I stand righteous because of God. Answer me so. Because of that, because you have placed your your name upon me, because you have given me my righteousness, answer me when I call. Answer me when I call. Verse 2. He turns and addresses enemies. O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? Think of David's life. The times when he was reproached. Uh, David is trying to usurp the king, or David is doing this or that, or um, all the times that his name was slandered. He says, O sons of men, how long will my honor, what I believe as I'm living out for God, become a reproach by you? But more importantly, how long will you love what is worthless and aimed at deception? And aim at deception. Uh, The idea of worthless is empty. Is of emptiness. There's nothing there. Um, And you aim at that. And it's interesting as a parenthetical, hey, let's think about this. He puts a sila, either a pause in in music or a pause to contemplate, because he is writing to those uh, for the stringed instruments to accompany this. Let's think about this a minute. You who are my enemies, you who are wicked, Just how long will you love what is empty? How long will you aim at being deceitful or at deceit? He continues, But know that the Lord, Yahweh, has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. As David speaks of what God is doing, He says, acknowledge this, know this, that the Lord God, Yahweh, has set apart or chosen the godly man for himself. 
the one that is committed unto him. It's interesting the words he uses here. The godly man who is who has committed committed himself to God, God has chosen. God has set him apart. And then again the plea. The Lord hears when I call to him. Not only a plea, but more of a, a, a statement of confidence when I plea. The Lord hears when I call to him. Why? Because we've already seen here that the Lord sets the man apart. The Lord has given him his righteousness. He's righteous because of God. God has already relieved him in distress. He has already been gracious to him. And so he calls him to be gracious again. And so no, the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. And he makes one more, one more plea to the enemy. Tremble. Tremble and do not sin. He didn't say tremble because of me. I'm coming to get you. When I become king, if I become king, I will come to get you. Tremble and do not sin. And he turns to enemy and probably includes all of us too. He says, meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Meditate on this. Be still on this. Be silent. In this matter of not sinning. What do you think about? What do I think about? What do I contemplate? When I have downtime, what do I fill it with? Nothingness? Or do my thoughts turn to God? To his word? To my standing before God? Where do my thoughts turn? Verse 5. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in God. The righteous one who has been given, he's there to offer up those sacrifices. And here it is. The statement that governs all else, trust in God, have faith in God. For the one who cries out to God, that one must have faith, trust in God. So let's put this all in context here. As we offer the sacrifices, um, let's just read through together from verse 1. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O sons of men, how long will you, my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and new wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, makes me to dwell in safety. What David, what the psalmist wants us to know is the only source... For good, 
for gladness, for peace, for, for security is God. We can chase after a lot of things. We can try to manufacture our own versions of gladness, of goodness, of peace, security. It is only found in God. It's a reminder for us all as we experience life, and this is not always pleasant. Maybe yours is. But life not, is not always pleasant for everyone at some point. Uh, like uh, the CEO of FGP told me when he asked me to be uh, the chaplain there. He said, uh, he said, everyone is in crisis or coming out of crisis or about to go into crisis. And that's true for also for believers. God allows things to come into our, heart, to our lives, and he desires for us, that central passage there in verse 5, to trust in God so that we may find our good, our gladness, our peace, our security in him. So this is us. Will you say this together with me? God is my source for good, gladness, and, and security. May he be that to you. May you trust in him. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, by your mercy and by your strength, you have given us, for those who know you, salvation. An abundant way, you have given us life. You have given us a home in heaven and a hope of eternal life that where you are, we may be also. And you have given us yourself the Holy Spirit, as we live this life here below. So, oh God, I pray that we would not seek for good, good things, glad, gladness or joy or peace or security in anything or anyone else other than you. So that we might be your people. we might glorify you. That we might, through trials, through good times, through everything that we face, say the Lord is the God of my righteousness. I will trust in him. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your abiding presence. Thank you for shining the light of your countenance, of your face upon us. God, you are good. You are always good. It's in Christ in my prayer. Amen.